congregation, we have come to the last part of the Heidelberg Catechism, the part of prayer, beginning with Lord's Day 45, questions 116 through 119. <clears throat> Why is prayer necessary for Christians? Because it is the chief part of thankfulness which God requires of us. And also because God will give his grace and Holy Spirit to those only who with sincere desires continually ask them of him and are thankful for them. What are the requisites of that prayer which is acceptable to God and which he will hear? First, that we from the heart pray to the one true God only who has manifested himself in his word. For all things he has commanded us to ask of him. Secondly, that we rightly and thoroughly know our need and misery, that we so may deeply humble ourselves in the presence of his divine majesty. Thirdly, that we be fully persuaded that he, notwithstanding that we are unworthy of it, will, for the sake of Christ our Lord, certainly hear our prayer as he has promised us in his word. <clears throat> One eighteen. why has God commanded us to ask of him all things necessary for soul and body which Christ our Lord has comprised in that prayer he himself has taught us. What are the words of that prayer? Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. <clears throat> Congregation, tonight we have an introduction to the Christian prayer. Introduction to the Christian prayer. It's only an introduction. There's so much to say about prayer, and we'll take our time in the next Sundays up to Sunday 52. So today, just a selection as an introduction about prayer. An introduction to Christian prayer. Six points. In the first place, a fellowship prayer. Secondly, Christ's prayers. A true prayer. An intercessory prayer. A continual prayer. And an answer to prayer. There's much more, but this is a selection regarding the introduction to Christian prayer, a fellowship prayer. It is speaking in fellowship to one in the heavens. In, in, in fellowship, in communion, in, in a relationship. Secondly, Christ's prayers. We will see some prayers of Christ and we see that he also had fellowship with his Father, a bond with his God in the heavens. And relate so many things and depended so much on him. In the third place, a true prayer, as that is explained in the Heiberg very clearly, about humility and about knowing your misery and about faith and trust. So what is a true prayer that's pleasing to the Lord? And for an intercessory prayer, so to pray for one another and to pray for the church and to pray for the minister and to pray for the sick and also the Lord praying for his people as making intercession in heaven. Five, a continual prayer that is 
subdivided in four points. What it is to continually pray, to pray without ceasing. What does that mean? And in the sixth place, an answer to prayer. Sometimes it seems the Lord is not answering prayer. And sometimes he is. So what is the secret there? Why is the Lord not answering certain prayers? And others he does. So in the first place, a fellowship prayer. Congregation, we see as the first question of the Hyber Catechism, why is prayer necessary for Christians? It is not why is prayer necessary for unconverted ones, for them that do not know God, have no forgiveness, are outside of grace. We, uh, we would expect a question like that in the beginning. Is there a way to escape the well-deserved punishment of God? So that's, that's, that's different now. You're not going to talk about a person who feels unsaved and unforgiven and unconverted and is asking for forgiveness, please. That prayer is not talked about now. We will say a few things about that, but that's not the focal point. The focal point is, why is prayer necessary for Christians yet? Still, their whole life continues in prayer. Why? Why is prayer necessary for God's people the rest of their lives? So in the background of that is fellowship or friendship even. Friendship. They that fear and love the Lord shall Jehovah's friendship know. Do you sing that? Shall Jehovah's friendship know? That's so special. The friendship of Jehovah. So the Lord himself, your friend, this is what it says. They that fear and love the Lord shall Jehovah's friendship know. Yea, the secrets of Jehovah is with those that fear his name with his friends in tender mercy. He his covenant will maintain. So there is a bond between God, Christ, and his people. There's a relationship. There's a friendship. There's a covenant mercy among them. And we see that sometimes in the Bible, explained very well. One of the most important pieces is John 15, 13 through 16. Greater love has no man than this, that the man laid down his life for his friends. The Lord Jesus laid down his life for his friends. He loved them, and he has a bond with them, and he knows them, and he talks to them, and he's talked to. Ye are my friends if ye do whatsoever I command you. Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what the Lord doeth. But I have called you friends, for all things that I have heard of my Father I have made known unto you. So the Lord Jesus spoke to his disciples, not as students and disciples and subjects, but also friends. So let us try to um, dwell on that for a second. The Lord Jesus and his disciples were also friends. There was a relationship and they could talk about anything. Like friends do, right? Could talk about anything. And, all, and it's, of course, more in the Bible. Luke 14, Luke 12, rather. And I say unto you, my friends, be not afraid of them that kill the body and after that have no more than they can do. So my friends, Lord Jesus even personally addressed his disciples as my friends. This imitating. This evening hour, the Lord speaks also to his people. And he says, you are my friends. I have laid down my life for you. I have suffered for you. I love you with an eternal love. And you're close to my heart. You're my friends. Male, female, children, older ones. God's people are God's friends. 
And the scripture is fulfilled, which said Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. See that, that, that connection? He believed in God, and that believing was the believing of justification, justifying faith, and therefore it was imputed unto him that righteousness, and consequently he was called the friend of God. So the justification by faith is related to become a friend. Psalm 25 the secret of the Lord is with them that fear him, and he will show them his covenant. Based on that Psalm 25, we sing, They that fear and love the Lord shall Jehovah's friendship know. It's based on Psalm 25. You see, where, where is the friendship then? In 25. It's not there. It says, The secret of the Lord. Because the Lord tells secrets to his people. They're, they're confidential. And he, he shares them with his people. So let us, let us think in friends. And that is close to another word in the Bible. To walk with God. Right? Sometimes people walk together. They, in the morning, for an hour or so, often females... They like to talk to each other, and they walk for miles together around the block. And they're friends. They have no secrets for each other, hardly. And that's good to have friends like that. But Enoch walked with God. And just, he conversed, and he told the Lord everything. He was so close to him, and the Lord so close to, to him. That was very, very, very special. A special bond, relationship, fellowship, friendship with God. <clears throat> and not only Enoch was like that, also Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations, and Noah walked with God. So do you walk with him? Do we? Are there Christians among us who walk with God and are close to him and just keep talking and keep listening? It's also called fellowship. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. That's the disciples among each other. And in breaking prayers and the same with fellowship, koinonia is used in 1 Corinthians 1. God is faithful by whom we were called unto the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord be called into their fellowship, called into their friendship. That's, that's where it starts. That's where the Christian prayer starts. It's speaking to someone you are familiar with. It's speaking to someone you're close to. So if we say that we have fellowship with him, friendship with him, and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. So children, young people, you may have friends. Your parents may have friends. You have friends, right? They send them to come over. You go over there. You're close to them. And you, um, you, you, you trust them. And you know that your friends are always defending you and helping you. Any time of the day they're available and they keep your secrets and they don't, you don't want them, you don't want to hurt them and they don't want to hurt you, it's, it's close. And those such friendships are valuable. I would say ask the Lord for friends. Friends you can be close to, you can talk to, and you can trust. But you know, the friendship with the Lord is so much better. The Lord wants his church to walk with him. And they may seek his face. Seek his face. 
You're so used to that expression, right? Let the seagulls face in prayer. When you think about it, it's God's face is real to you. Not physically, but biblically, spiritually. And that you see his face, you seek his face, and you want to lay all things before him, all the needs and cares you have. Someone is asking, how can it be? Two people can be close, because they're both people. But the lofty one, the holy one in the heavens, how can he be so close to a sinful person? How can he be friends with someone like that? Someone who's sinful by nature, and someone who may be saved, but yet has so much violence in him. But that's the Lord. The Lord is looking for enemies, and he makes friends of them. And there is, of course, still a difference, like we see it later on next week, the Lord willing, I believe, our Father which are in heaven. Right? So this closeness and distance. Our Father is close and distance is in heaven. So also in friendship there is a closeness and there is a distance as well. But the Lord is willing to come so low that he gave his only begotten son in the human nature to be friends with people. So in Christ, God is coming low, coming down to be close to sinners. And one of the most important things in friendship, in fellowship, in the bond, in the covenant, is to converse to talk, and to listen. And so the Lord wants to have a relationship with his people that they listen and talk. Fellowship prayer. So how do they listen then? Does the Lord talk to them? Do they hear a voice? Do they feel something in their heart? The Lord is talking to me? No. Don't believe that. The Lord talks to his people through the Bible. That's it. Well, also through nature, he, expel, he explains his majesty and his glory and his design. But the Lord speaks to people, to his people also, through the Word, through the Bible. So if you have a bond with God, if you would like to have that fellowship and that friendship, you need to listen to him. You need to hear his voice. You need to open the Bible. You have to just see what he has to say and respond to that and not ignore it, right? If you talk with someone and you just bump your whole heart before the person and he talks about the weather afterwards, you feel kind of, did you listen? So the Lord in his closeness to his people, he wants, he wants them to listen to him and to absorb it and to work it through for themselves. And he wants them to answer and to ask questions. So there is a relationship between God and his people, a fellowship with them. A, a prayer of fellowship. Secondly, Christ's prayer. The Lord Jesus is the Savior, he prays instead of his people, for his people. He sanctifies the prayers of his people, but he's also praying in himself. The Lord Jesus had that holy friendship in the Trinity with his Father and the Holy Spirit, loving one another, in the Trinity, from eternity. And he speaks to his Father and prays to his Father, especially also in the human nature. So let me just show you a few examples without too many comments and just try to digest it. What the Lord Jesus said to his Father and why he prayed and what the content of the prayer was. For example, Lazarus had died, children. Lazarus had died. Martha, Mary, Lazarus. He was sick. He died. 
He was buried, and the Lord Jesus came too late. And he came to the grave, and he, he cried, he wept, and the people said, see how much he loved him. And then he asked them to take the stone away. And they commented that it was another another and the right thing to do. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. And I knew that thou hearest me always. But because of the people which stand by, I said it that they may believe that thou hast sent me. And when he thus had spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. So the Lord Jesus depended upon his Father in raising Lazarus from the dead. And he said in faith, I know that thou always, that thou always hears me. See that? That's a perfect prayer. Beautiful. But often we also read texts like Mark 1, 25. And in the morning, rising up a great while before day, it was still dark, he went out and departed into a solitary place and there prayed. The Lord Jesus took his time to do that. To bond with his Father, to have the fellowship with his God in the heavens, to have that closeness. He took his time. He did it before it was light. Great while before the day. And I read in Mark 6, and when he had sent them away, he departed into a mountain to pray. At the end of the day, he sent away went to a mountain to pray. It was a big part of his life. Big part of his life. The life of Jesus. He performed miracles. He uh, spoke to the people. He spoke to his father. But so much, the more went there a fame among the, of, uh, abroad of him, and great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities, and he withdrew himself in the wilderness and prayed. He was so busy. All the people coming to him. Such a busy day. And at the end of a busy day, he had a desire to not just relax and to go for a hike and to just go to bed early. He prayed. The busier he was, the more he prayed, I would almost say. That's what Luther said, right? Luther said, the busier I am, the more I pray. Or Luke 6, and it came to pass in those days that he went out into a mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer. Continued all night. So not only an hour or so in the evening or an hour in the morning, the whole night. Sometimes the whole night, wrestling, praying, praying, praying. As his father was close to him. And it came to pass as he was alone praying, his disciples were with him and asked him, saying, Whom say the people that I am? And as he prayed, the fashion of his countenance was altered and his raiment was white. So many texts in the Bible talking about the Lord Jesus praying also in the Garden of Gethsemane, right? And think of John 17, the whole chapter is a long prayer. These words spake Jesus and lift up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify thy Son that thy Son also may glorify thee. Jesus prayed and he loved it. He rejoiced in it. He needed it. He did not want to miss it. So how do you feel about your, your prayers? Do you pray? 
Do you take the time for it? You know, I, I know it is the work of the Holy Spirit to make someone pray. But we also need to hear the voice of God. Pray without ceasing. Make work of it. It's not easy. It is not something that you do in your lazy chair. And that's it. It is a wrestling with God, a laying it before him, a taking your time. Brings you the third thought, a true prayer. What are the requisites of that prayer which is acceptable to God and which he will hear? So the catechism has three points. <clears throat> Those three points are subdivided, so in total, I think, seven. Let me mention them. In case you'd like to know what is a real prayer, tell me. What are the requisites? What are the characteristics? What is a real prayer? Well, from the heart to the only true God, with sincere desire, continual, thankful, humble confidence. Let me just make it a little longer. Sometimes, Parents say to the children, Do you, did you pray? Did you pray tonight before you went to bed? So they encourage the children to pray. And sometimes the children say, okay. So they pray. And they pray because they are told to. Right? And they have that. Parents have the responsibility to teach the children to pray. And, and, and that's good. But then the child is praying just because Dad wants the child to pray. And so it is possible that you, when you get older, you still pray because you're supposed to. You have to. You're you used to it. You don't know any better. You would feel bad if you won't. But that's not from the heart, right? From the heart is that you just have that deep desire, that deep conviction that you just say, I want to pray. I really want to do it. I'm motivated from the heart. Not that your brain only, but your heart. So your will is involved. Your feelings are involved. You're, you're, you're involved completely yourself. And a true prayer is not only from the heart. A true prayer is also a prayer, of course, to the one true God. So that's why it is important to read the Bible with it. And to pray over the Bible. Have you heard the, 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 that expression? To pray over the Bible. We already see, saw something of it, right? That we, we, we listen in, in, to, to, to the earth and the Lord speaks to us. And we pray to him. So the word is important. The word of God is important for prayer. Because the, the Bible tells us who God is. So that you don't pray to someone who does not exist. Or you pray to someone you have no understanding of. You need to know from the Bible who God is. So read that Bible. Find out who God is. Pray over that. Say, Lord, I would like to know thee. I would like to know who I'm talking to. Otherwise you're talking to someone you don't know. That's not purpose. There should be a closeness, a fellowship, and knowing one another. Of course, with sincere desire that is kind of overlap with from the heart and continue. Continue. That's also one of the points, so I can save that for later. But it is a continual wrestling because there are so many difficulties that God's children face when they want to pray. And there is always opposition from inside and outside that wants them to forgo prayer. But they must continue and wrestle and at the same time be thankful. So not only acting as if they need all the help and as if the Lord has not helped them yet, 
also thankful. Thankfulness and prayer should be combined. It should be in one prayer. So it's not only asking, asking, asking all your desires. It's also acknowledging the Lord. So in the morning, we do not only ask the Lord for his help for the day. We also thank the Lord for his sparing hand over us. And the prayer needs to be a humble prayer. Not proud like the Pharisees. They were standing on the corners of the, of the streets and they prayed out loud and the people heard them and the people found the world of them. They loved that. They loved to be seen of men. But David prayed in the sense of, Who am I? Who is my house? Dost brought us here too. So humble, so broken, so dependent, so that we cannot help ourselves at all, but need all the help from the Lord. Humble. And also confidence. That's an important one. I was thinking about that just before the service in the consistory consistory room. I had on my mind, I need to to preach. I need to preach again. How will it go? Can I do that? I have felt certain objections. I have felt kind of, I look up against it. And then it dawned on me what I was going to say to you. We have to also trust in the Lord. So, before we enter into the, into, into the sanctuary, in, in, in the prayer, during prayer, I said, Lord, I trust in you. I trust in you. That would help me. I felt I had to trust the Lord. It was a shame not to trust him. But that is something the Lord gives, right? A true prayer is a prayer from the heart. But also, let us talk about an intercessory prayer. Fourth one. So we pray for one another, don't we? I, I dare to say, when the Lord comes with the spirit of prayer and supplication to you, and just enters into your heart and changes you and gives you a new birth, that's a dramatic change. He makes you to pray for yourself to Him. And you begin also to see other people. You begin to see the need and the sins, and the guilt, and the unconverted state of unconverted people, and you begin to pray for them. I guarantee you begin to pray for others, for your mother, for your father, for your child, for your husband. Just continue doing that. Continue to pray for them. Continue to pray for your, for your wife. Continue to pray for your husband. Maybe you, you, you talk to her, you talk to him, you say, you have to read, you have to do this, you have to do that. And you bother him to, 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 to no avail. And maybe sometimes you have to just go back a little bit and lay before the Lord. Because the Lord can do it. You can't convert anyone. But the Lord can. So intercessory prayer. Do not cease to pray. For this phrase you also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will in our wisdom and spiritual understanding. <clears throat> so the Apostle Paul was praying for the congregation that they may be filled with the knowledge of his will in our wisdom and spiritual understanding. He's praying for God's people all the time. Do not cease to pray for you. I keep praying for you. That you, there might be more life, that there might be growth, that you may be filled, not just the bottom, filled, filled up with the knowledge of his will <clears throat> in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. And he, um, Apostle Paul, prays often for other people. 
often for his healers. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Brethren, I pray for you. Pray for us, for we trust we have a good conscience in all things, willing to live honestly. Did I pray for thee that thy faith will fail not? Lord Jesus, pray also in prayer for his people and for Peter in particular, who was going to deny the master. He prayed for him. He, he, the Lord Jesus kept him in his hands. He said, I don't let you go. Nobody can pluck you out of my hand. So Christ prayed for his church. And if the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much, then how much does the prayer of Christ avail? Do you remember Abraham was told that Saul and Gomorrah were going to be upside down and in fire? And he was worried about the people. And he said, Lord, what about if there's still 50 righteous ones? And there's a long story, Genesis 18. And the Lord goes down. He even said, what about 40? What about 30? What about 20? What about 10? He's just making intercession. And he wants that people to be saved. Or think of Moses and Aaron and her on the mount against, when they were, during the war against the Amalekites. And Moses had to lift up his staff to heaven. And when he lifted it up, the Israelites won. And when he let his staff down, the Amalekites won, remember? So and her were supporting him. And they prayed together and they striving in prayer and make intercession. So they had to do that. <clears throat> but especially the chapter I have also already mentioned, John 17. Let me just quote it for you. I pray for them. You know, that's, that's all you need. I pray for them. I pray not for the world. So that special prayer is prayer for the Christian, right? But for them which thou hast given me. Because people have been given by God to Christ here. A present, a holy present. It's thine. Pray for them. He prayed for them as received of his Father. And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world. And I come to thee, Holy Father. Keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are. So the Lord Jesus prayed to his Father for the unity of the church. I pray now that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. Oh, the Lord Jesus has prayed that whole chapter, and much, much more than, 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 than we can read in the Bible. Who is he that condemneth? This Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, also maketh intercession for us. So God's people often feel kind of poor about their prayers, and they are ashamed of them. They say, I should have prayed more and more seriously and more lovingly and more, maybe with more faith, and they feel bad about their own prayers. But what they should do is to look upon the high priest who prays and has prayed, still prays, in a perfect way. So in, through his prayers, the prayers of God's people are sanctified. He still makes intercession for them. Therefore, he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession.
for that. And then a continual prayer. <clears throat> what does that mean? Didn't I tell you in the introduction that there are four sub-points on continual prayer? So there are four ways God's people are encouraged to pray without ceasing. Don't stop. Continue. In the first place, it means that they, in that fellowship, in that friendship, have to keep going with prayer. In the morning, at the afternoon, at meal times, and certain times, of course not. The whole day having their hands together, and the whole day having their eyes closed. They have to do things, they have to work, and they have to live. But on a regular basis, they need to keep praying. At home, at work, in school, on the road, pray. Time and again. So prayer is um, part of Christian life, and there are many types of prayers, and they need to keep praying them. But prayer is also without ceasing in other sense. It's also an attitude. It's also something on your mind with everything or almost everything you do. Lord, what should I answer? Lord, what should I do? Lord, what should I say? Lord, what should I give? Lord, what are the responsibilities? I need advice. I need wisdom. I need guidance. So your whole day, your whole day with that voice in your head. What does the Lord want you to do? And then constantly kind of asking, Lord, give clarity, give, give that help. I don't, I don't know what to do. I have, ex I have used the example of a child or a husband or a wife in the hospital. And uh, you go to work because it's not really critical. So you go to work and she's in the hospital. He. But you know, you're the whole day, it's on your mind. Time again, oh, how's she doing? I don't know. So there's something else in the background constantly. And so the purpose is that Friends, in this special sense, friends have constantly that desire to know the will of God and are in constant connection with Him. Not that they per se pray out loud or take the time to pray. No, there's this a sigh in between everything, and many sighs. So this praying several times a day, it is praying also as an attitude. It's also praying in the sense of that you have a quiet time set, set, set apart. That from 10 to 10.30 or longer in the morning when the children are in school, is this an example? That you sit in your chair and you open that Bible, mother. This is an example. And you say, I spend this half hour or 45 minutes or an hour with Bible reading and prayer. That's not a waste of time, is it? That's special time, important time. And that is also pray without ceasing. Taking the time for that, like Daniel did, right? Three times a day. He opened his windows and prayed to the Almighty One. So pray without ceasing. But it's a fourth one. Something you cannot make. Pray without ceasing. 
is that the Lord gives you a prayer. Gives you a prayer? Yeah. That is just such a need and such a power in the world and such relying on him that you are so close to him that you are at peace, at great peace, and there is great joy being embraced by the Almighty God, embraced by the arms of his Lord, and that you may experience that fellowship, a fellowship. So maybe you cannot even utter anything. You cannot say anything. You're just overwhelmed with the goodness and the grace of the Almighty God. And then the Word of God is so powerful and the Lord so close by that it's not just a happy feeling. It is the Lord speaking to your heart of his salvation. So would you like that? Would you like to walk with God? Would you like God as your friend? I mean, real, not just talk. And then whatever happens, he's always with you, always available, never calling him in vain. Then you're safe for time, for eternity, for body and soul, for all things. Having that friend, Jesus, that's the Bible, right? He spoke that way to his disciples. I'm their friends if you walk in my commandments. And if an Abraham, then you're just by faith. You're called a friend of God. It's precious. Let's go to the last one. Sometimes people ask the minister, Minister, I'm praying for so long about this or that, and the Lord does not hear. He doesn't answer me. What do I say? I don't know. Well, what I know is this. He is not answering yet. Not yet. Is he not the God who is willing to answer? To also hear it, but also his time. So when he is not answering yet, don't say he's not answering you at all. Also have patience, right? But there are occasions in the Bible the Lord mentions why he may not answer a certain prayer. It's kind of sobering, but also honest, right? David prayed for the child he had with Bathsheba. David therefore besought God for the child, and David fasted and went in and lay down upon the earth all night, and yet it was not God's will. God's sovereignty. God knows why is wiser, knows better. That's hard. Sometimes there are special reasons why the Lord doesn't answer prayer. For example, when people are committing idolatry and have idols in their lives. And those idols are so important to them. Deuteronomy one. So I spake unto you, and ye would not hear, but rebelled against the commandment of the Lord, and went presumptuously up the hill. And you returned and were before the Lord, but the Lord would not hearken to your voice, nor give you ear, nor give ear unto you. So when there is idolatry and sin, the Lord may just close his ear and say, not listen. Or when there is no fellowship, no bond, no friendship, no new heart, nothing experiential, no love, then shall they call upon me, but I will not answer. They shall seek me early, but they shall not, not find me. For that they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. So you don't choose the feet of the Lord and walk in his ways and seek the Lord and then still uh, hand in your list with all the wishes. That's not fair. 
the Lord doesn't want to be an emergency God and to, to, to provide. He wants, he wants your heart. You live in sin, don't count on it. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. He that turneth away is Eve from hearing the law, even his prayers shall be abomination. Your hands are full of blood. You live in sin. And then asking the Lord, as I said, doesn't make much sense. Also for being cruel and murdering. And when you spread for your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. Yea, when, I, when you make many prayers, I will not hear, for your hands are full of blood. But also, this is interesting. I did not remember that. The Lord does not answer your prayers if your heart on widows and orphans and immigrants and the poor. If you heart on them, the Lord says, I will be hard on you. Zechariah 7. And oppress not the widow, nor the fatherless, the stranger, nor the poor, and let none of you imagine evil against his brother in your heart. But they refuse to hearken, pull away the shoulder, stutter ears, that they should not hear. Therefore it's come to pass that as he cried, and they would not hear, so they cried, and I would not hear. Say the Lord of hosts. So if you turn a blind eye to people in need, who need help, financial or other help, you don't, you don't care for those people. They're ungodly, it's the world. The Lord says, I will not care for you. Who so stoppeth his ears at the cry of the poor, he also shall cry himself, but shall not be heard. A warning, right? Or think of being unstable in faith can also be a reason for not hearing. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. There's no faith. So that prayer of a Christian is a prayer in a bond, in a relationship, in a friendship. And in that friendship, the Lord wants his church to trust in him. And if they waver, it goes up and down. Let not such a man think that I will hear. The Lord also does not hear if he prays selfishly to enjoy the things of this world. He asks and receives not because ye ask amiss that ye may consume it upon your lusts. Suffer of yourself. Sometimes the Lord doesn't answer prayer to keep humble. And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations that was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan that buffeted me, lest I should be exalted above measure. And the Lord said, no, you keep that thorn. But let me end on a positive note. There's so many promises in the Bible indicating that the Lord wants to hear prayer. The type of, open your mouth wide and I will fill it. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. It's in so many places, especially in the Psalms. And it shall come to pass that before they call, before they call, I will answer. And while they are yet speaking, I will hear. The Lord is there before the church is calling upon him. And I say, ask 
and it shall be given you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. So the Lord wants his church to trust in him and to pray also in Christ's name. Wrapping it up. Does the Lord also hear the prayer of unconverted ones? That's an important question. And the answer is yes. So do you know what that means? If we say yes, if we say yes to the question, God answers also unconverted people and answers their prayers. You know what it means? means that it is possible that your prayers have been heard and that you know it and that you, are, that you have no question about it. Don't heard your prayer. He answered it. This is so obvious. No doubt. And yet you can be unconverted. That's what it means. You can say, when the Lord hears my prayer so Clearly, the next time I go to the Lord's supper table, because the Lord heard my cry. No, no, no. The Lord hears also unconverted people. And the first one is Cain. Cain was afraid that people would find him and kill him, because he killed his brother. And the Lord said, no, Cain, there's not going to happen. If that happens, I will take revenge. And he heard the prayer of Cain. But the Lord also wants to hear, wants, wants to hear prayer. He wants us to call upon his name and to be honest. And if he missed that relationship, missed that friendship, missed that communion with the Lord, just be open about it and tell the Lord and repent of your sins you hold on to sin. You have to let go. Repent ye, repent ye. Why would you die? And, and ask the Lord to also believe in him. Be positive. That, why, why, why those questions like, I don't know if the Lord desires me, if the Lord wants to hear to me. They don't say that. Pray. It's possible to have a close life with God. Still possible. Still possible that you're close to him and you belong to his friends. And that you know it. That you receive the comfort from it. It is still possible that there is an exceeding joy. Not every day, but time and again. When the Lord hears prayer, when you feel that closeness, and then he embraces you. Continue. Continue to pray. Who shall separate us from his love? If you may have that, that friendship. And keep in mind, praying is pleasing God. It is pleasing. He wants us to pray. It's also more or less time and again a joy to pray. Have you ever rejoiced in prayer? Have you ever the joy to just pour out your soul and just lay it out before him and then stand up refreshed? Was such a joy to pray, to lay it all before him. It does not contradict providence. The Lord in his providence is doing whatever he desires, right? But it, the, the prayer does not contradict it. it it's somehow, I don't know, it is somehow in, interconnected. The Lord reigneth, but he yet wants us to pray. Congregation, think about that friendship. And if you miss that holy, holy friendship, were by the Holy Spirit, 
I hope you suffer. You know, you say, there's no life. There's, there's, there's more to life. There's more to this world. Because nothing can fill the heart with that. And that's what the Lord has said. Don't cease to pray. Amen.